Hi, I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Illinois public health officials reporting more than 11,600 confirmed and probable cases of COVID-19 over the last day. In Chicago and suburban Cook County, residents are asked to stay at home as much as possible for the next 30 days. If we continue on the path we're on and you and me and others don't step up and do more, our estimates are that we could see a thousand more Chicagoans die from this virus by the end of the year. Chicago stay-at-home advisory takes effect today across Chicago. So how effective will it be and how will the city monitor the situation? Joining us now to discuss this and more, Dr. Allison Arwady. She's the commissioner of the Chicago Department of Public Health. Dr. Arwady, welcome back to Reset. Thanks for having me. So remind us again about the guidelines for the stay-at-home advisory. Yep. So effective today, we are advising all residents of Chicago to stay at home. Uh, go out for work, go out for school, go out for essentials like seeking medical care, going to the grocery store or pharmacy, but otherwise as much as possible stay home. We also very strongly are asking people not to have guests into their homes unless they're essential workers like home health care, child care, um, or education. Uh, we've, of course, emphasized that if people do leave home. They need to wear that face covering, practice the social distancing. Uh, we finally have um, asked people to avoid travel and unfortunately cancel traditional Thanksgiving celebrations. Why make it an advisory and not an order? So I think it's possible we may see an order coming. Uh, the main goal here, of course, is to have people step up and do the right thing. And we're able to um, bend the curve on this when people make these changes in their individual lives. If I have an order in place, it also comes down to what does enforcement look like. I can't come and stand on every door and see whether you're having people into your home or not. Uh, I can't monitor every single person in Chicago. What we need are people to recognize that we really are getting into some very, very difficult waters here in terms of how quickly cases, hospitalizations, even deaths are rising. And and we want to be a society that's as open as we can be economically. The way we do that is by pulling back right now. Dr. Arwady, we knew there would be a second surge. We knew the winter months were going to be tough. Are you surprised at how fast this came on, that the uh, winter months started much earlier than anticipated? So... We were watching signs of trouble all around us uh, through the early fall, where we were where we were looking at, uh, particularly some of the um, other Midwestern states, seeing very very high positivity numbers, uh, surging cases, you know, 50 percent positivity, this kind of thing in, in states that border Illinois, uh, and and watching, you know, even where downstate Illinois, we were starting to see some more surging. I think the problem with uh, with COVID and really with a lot of respiratory diseases. Is, is that their growth can be exponential. As soon as it gets in, it looks for opportunities to spread. And you only have to go from uh, an average of one person spreading COVID to one other person to an average of one person spreading to two other people, and you've got an out-of-control outbreak. So it doesn't take much, unfortunately, particularly in a large city like ours, uh, to see this get going. With the amount of COVID we have right now, estimates are that as many as one in 18 Chicagoans could have COVID right now. And we, when you've got numbers like that, every interaction carries risk, wow. and it, it keeps growing from there. One in 18. 
potentially that high. Yeah, wow. it's between one and eighteen, and about one and twenty-five is our estimate. Do you route this back? I, you know, I hate to do this because it's always hard, and it's you know, it's there's it's tough to to chart. But I mean, just two weeks ago, we're talking about Halloween. I mean, do you do you do that at the at the public health department to to say, yeah, I could see where this new why we're at this record level, why Chicago seeing a spike based on what happened what fourteen, fifteen days ago. Yeah, the thing is that this this spike that we're seeing now has actually been 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 on us since early October. Uh, and where we look back, we follow things like how quickly the outbreak is growing, how quickly it's doubling. And right now, it's doubling about every eleven to twelve days, meaning that right now, just in Chicago, we're getting about twenty four hundred cases in. By Thanksgiving, we actually could have you know four thousand cases coming in, um, and that has not significantly uh, changed after Halloween. It really has been more uh, growing since early October, and this is just unfortunately, you know, epidemiology works the way compound interest does. Once it starts going, uh, it really has the potential to get big and to get big fast. So it's less about one particular event and more just that I think as a city and as a society, we've let down our guard against COVID, um, and it's taken lots of opportunities where we've felt more comfortable around it. And now, unfortunately, in every part of the city, Every age group, every race, ethnicity, we're seeing major increases, you know, cases four to five times what we were seeing uh, just five or six weeks ago. Well, I can only speak for my block, but I was sitting on my window yesterday and, and what, usually a lot of traffic that's out front, uh, people walking their dogs, things like that. It was pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. So people might be getting the message a little bit. But but one of the stories that came out this morning was about Thanksgiving and not necessarily about people getting around a table, but pe- people flocking to grocery stores uh, to, to mm-hmm. get their holiday shopping as well as their preparation for a possible stay-at-home order. And there's a question about the crowds that are in the grocery store. The, the city's going to monitor that, but that's an important distinction to make sure that there's crowd counts at grocery stores. Yes, that's right. And our, our business affairs and consumer protection uh, division has been working very hard to make sure that all of our retail stores, including grocery stores, are being serious about those requirements that are in place and have been in place around the number of people that can be in stores, the requirements around social distancing. Um, I think we've seen some variety there, too, in Chicago, where there are some, even grocery stores, that have kept very, very strict requirements and some that had maybe let it slip. Uh, and we've been back around really enforcing um, that, that these are requirements. I would ask people uh, to try to limit shopping trips, um, try to go during off hours um, where possible, perhaps have groceries delivered, things like that as well. Is it easier for you and the Chicago Department of Public Health to, to bring this up because we've lived through it? Because of March and April, we understand what it means that uh, that there is a stay-at-home advisory or order in place, that we, we understand what that means. Is it easier from uh, a public uh, policy perspective uh, to be able to do this again? Yeah, I think what's different, I think, is that in March, there was a lot of fear around COVID. Most people didn't know anyone who had had COVID. We, there was a lot we didn't know about how it was spread. Um, we certainly had a very large number of hospitalizations and deaths at this point. I think what's different now is that pretty much everybody, I would say, in Chicago knows somebody who's had COVID, and most of those people, it is true, have recovered. And so people, I think, tend to have a sense that, oh, I don't have to worry about this, about this as much, or I don't need to sort of change my 
lights around it. But the problem is when we're seeing numbers like we're seeing now, and particularly where this isn't just our 18 to 29-year-olds, right? My 40 to 49-year-olds are leading the pack here, and we're seeing huge increases among those over 70, over 80. We are then seeing these severe outcomes that we worry about the most, the hospitalizations, the ICUs, the deaths, that I think it's hard for people who are who are tired of this, right, who look forward to the end of the year as a time for gathering, as a time for celebrating. Uh, we just want COVID to be over. And although we're hearing good news about vaccine, vaccine is not going to be here soon enough um, for us to, unfortunately, I think, be able to get this without really pulling back on some of that. So people, people understand the concept, but understanding that this means me, this means my life, this means not having people over to my house tonight, that is a harder leap, I think, than it was for people in the spring. You know, the, the Illinois public health officials reporting 11,600 confirmed uh, cases, probable cases of COVID-19 in the last day. That's just out now. 37 more people have died from the virus. As of last night, more than 5,500 hospitalized with the virus. The state's seven-day average positive case rate is 12.5%. When you hear that, and I know you know that, and this is just out to the public now, is there anything to glean from those stats that says we're going in one direction or the other? I mean, obviously, those numbers mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. But but for us, the the, the layman, the, the people who are just listening to this, what do we need to grab from that? Yeah, for me, uh, the main thing is if you're paying attention to these numbers, it's how quickly they're increasing. The numbers themselves are concerning, but more concerning is that day after day after day here in Chicago and in Illinois and in the U.S., we are breaking records for COVID, hospitalizations, deaths, et cetera. And that means that we have not started to bend this curve. And so the thing that's most worrisome to me is that where you, you hear a number like, you know, 12 percent positivity across the state. Here in Chicago, we're at 15.7 percent positivity. That means, you know, one in six of our tests is coming back positive at a time where we're testing much more than we ever have before. It means we're not testing enough. There are many, many more people with COVID, and that's where some of those estimates come from. And unfortunately, we've not yet seen, um, we've not yet seen that flow. So I, people often will hear these numbers and they don't mean, you know, they don't mean that much. Um, but the problem is they're growing at a rate um, that is different than what we've seen and not yet slowing down. Uh, and we've got to see this slow down or we really do run the risk of overwhelming, you know, our hospitals well, and seeing all these unnecessary deaths. When we see that, Dr. Arwady, when we see 5,500 hospitalized with the virus in, in, a, in a daily count, what, what concerns you? I mean, are, are we getting close to uh, capacity? Are we are we stretching the system thin? I mean, obviously, obviously yep. the, the stay-at-home advisory is a part of that to make sure right. that we still have these these safety nets in place. Yeah, so let me put this in some context for folks. Uh, the first time around in May, we had a very large surge here in Chicago, not as much in um, areas outside of the city or further downstate. It's been the opposite this time, so that unfortunately, sort of all around Chicago, there are hospitals, you know, and further downstate that are that are filling up more than were happening previously. So there's not as much potential to kind of flex patients if you needed to. And in fact, we're seeing a lot of non-Chicago residents. Uh, 
uh, being cared for in Chicago hospitals. But more concerning to me than the number of hospital beds is actually staffing. Where we saw New York City get overwhelmed in May, where we saw um, some parts in the South get overwhelmed over the summer, there was the ability to flex healthcare staffers from other parts of the country into those regions uh, to take care of more patients in ICUs. With the whole country on fire from COVID, there is much less capability to be able to move staffing around. So although I'm worried about beds, I'm much more concerned about whether we're going to actually have the doctors and the nurses and the respiratory therapists um, and all of the staff to be able to handle potentially this countrywide surge that we're really seeing. We're not certainly full and at capacity here in Chicago yet. Um, we've seen numbers go up uh, three times, though, just, you know, just in the last month. And again, it's that rate of increase without a sign of slowing. That's the concern because cases come first. It's a few weeks later that you see hospitalizations, then ICUs, then deaths. Um, and, and we've got to see those cases slow to feel confident um, that we're not going to be in this state of overwhelm. So, you know, highly concerning. And now is the time to take action. Dr. Arwady, when we talk about uh, masks, and, and we've had the conversations on this program just about, uh, you know, what it does, it protects you and protects the other person, but it also uh, limits the viral load that is given back and forth when it comes to COVID. Is there a plan for, for the Department of Public Health or even the city of Chicago to up their game when it comes to uh, more resources for telling people about a mask mandate or, or telling people to wear their mask or more importantly, yeah. how to wear it correctly? Yes, exactly. Nose and mouth covered, for yeah, example. Right. Um, right. So, so not along with these um, stay-at-home advisories and the limits on gatherings and all these other things, the city is also launching Protect Chicago. And if people are interested, you can go to chicago.gov slash coronavirus. We're looking for people, actually, who are interested in signing up uh, to be part of the virtual outreach team. We've got both a physical outreach team uh, using city workers, safe passage workers, volunteers, others who are working to make sure we're bringing um, supplies, materials, and information to a large percentage of Chicago households. But we're also launching, kind of based on election outreach ideas, um, a uh, texting and calling and sort of cross Chicago to make sure individuals are getting this message, um, connecting people to our COVID uh, resource coordination hub if they need resources around COVID. You are definitely going to see um, additional mass distribution, um, but also things like making sure families here in Chicago are making their COVID plan. Uh, with the amount that's around, we sort of expect that families are going to have people diagnosed with COVID. Be thinking now about what does that look like for quarantine, for isolation, for testing, for staying home from work. What resources do we need? How can the city help uh, plan and be prepared? So there's a lot rolling out right now around that and more coming over the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got social distancing ambassadors, too, who are out um, encouraging people to wear masks, handing them out, things like that. Yeah, the, the backup crew. That's what we call, we call them. Uh, Dr. Arwady, when we, when we talk about a vaccine and we saw big news today uh, about a, a, another potential vaccine and we start thinking about distribution, Chicago's prepared even for yeah. vaccines that may need cold storage and things like that? Yeah, we are. So, you know, one of the good things I would say about our response here in Chicago is we, we really have tried to stay ahead of this at all points. So you might recall last May where a lot of the country was scrambling like crazy to try to buy N95 masks and PPE. We had, you know, 
millions of these things stockpiled in advance. We use that time to buy up all the syringes and the immunization materials and make sure that we really were going to be ready for a vaccine campaign when it came. Uh, we have built up here in Chicago the ability uh, to hold many, many uh, thousands of doses of even the ultra-cold vaccine when it does come. And so I feel good about our plans here. We are ready when vaccine is available. It will start, though, with our highest-risk health care workers, and it's important people hear that. When a vaccine comes, it'll be going into hospitals, it'll be going to the people in the emergency departments and the ICUs who are doing the procedures, taking care of COVID patients first, uh, and then we'll be sort of expanding out from there as more vaccine becomes available. So it is really good news that the vaccine is performing as well as it has, uh, that the safety data looks really good. Those trials do need to finish. Um, but I expect we may see uh, some of our first doses in Chicago before the end of the year, but those will be for our highest risk healthcare workers. And it's going to be a number of months before we'll be at a point where it's broadly available. So again, now is the time to double down on all of those things that do work and bend that curve, even while we're waiting for the vaccine. Dr. Arwady, before we let you go, the Chicago Department of Public Health is also working on a $1.4 million plan to change the city's emergency mental health response. We see this as part of the ongoing budget conversation that's happening right now around uh, the city's budget for, for the next year. Uh, quickly, tell us about that pilot program, what it aims to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. So we're really excited about a lot of the systems-level work that we've been doing here in the city to improve our mental health system. Um, and we've invested in a lot of the existing mental health resources in the areas that are most needed. Uh, we've been, for the first time, investing, for example, in bringing mental health resources into homeless shelters onto the CTA. But this piece is around making sure that there are mental health professionals embedded within our 911 center and within our emergency response. So so for the very first time, uh, the Mayor Lightfoot is proposing to first embed mental health professionals within the 911 call center. So when people are calling in, there's the ability to, first of all, uh, take care of some of those calls without needing to dispatch anyone from 911, otherwise support. And then in a pilot model, um, plan to send out sort of a three-person team where you're sending a mental health professional, a community paramedic, and then a crisis intervention trained police officer to respond to 911 calls that have a mental health component. We think it's critical to treat these mental health calls as the health care events that they are uh, and do more to, to, to make sure that people are getting mental health resources, especially in times of crisis, yeah. um, uh, and not waiting for them to make an appointment. So we're really excited about this. Um, it's just one of a lot of things that we're trying to do to improve our city's system-wide response uh, to mental health, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. That's Dr. Al and Arwady, she's the commissioner of the Chicago Department of Public Health. Dr. Arwady, always a pleasure. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much. And that's it for today's Reset. Like our conversations, want to hear more? Go to our archive at wbez.org slash reset. Also take a few seconds to give this podcast a rating or leave us a review. It helps other people find us. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.